Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Are we ready for God's Word? Kathy and I have been doing a series on, uh, on the threefold being of each one of us in here. Uh, probably this morning, a good group of you, a good many of you took at least an hour to get ready today to make your hair perfect, your eyelashes perfect, everything you're, you know, everything's just got to be just prim and proper. How many know you had to iron your clothes, you had to get everything done? Okay, how many know that in the natural, the voice of your body is your appetites? Come on. How many know we want to look good out there? We want to feel good out there in the world. And, and has anybody ever heard the voice of your appetite? Uh, I actually do like red licorice, okay? And uh, the other day when I went, they picked me up in the car. It was actually a truck. And when they picked me up in the truck, he opened it up. And guess what was there? A big, big, big bag of red licorice. And it was the twister kinds, a real soft one, and it was like right there, get thee behind me, okay? It was right there. But how many have ever heard the voice of food talking to you? Okay, nobody in here has never had a problem with hearing the voice of food. I mean, you could be sound asleep, wake up, and you're hungry, and it's telling you where to get it. Come on, come and get me. I'm right here, the leftovers that you just had last night. Or come and get me that chocolate bar is just waiting for you to get me. So we've learned over years to develop the voice of the body, but we also have a voice of our soul. The soul speaks of your emotions. It speaks of your will. It speaks of your feelings. You know, that if you're happy, those are all feelings that are there, are your sad. Are you grieving? Are you rejoicing? Uh, Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So according to the word of God, there is a difference between your spirit and your soul. How many know when you get born again, your spirit man, the heart, the new man on the inside is alive unto God? But how many know in the same respect, the word of God, it divides the soul in the spirit, cutting asunder. So we need to understand that. And the third one that we actually have, because you're not a twofold being, you're a threefold being, a spirit. A, you are a spirit, number one. You have a soul and you live in a body. Say, I am a spirit. I have a soul and I live in a body. Now, with the soul, the whole part that you have responsibility is to take God's word and to renew your mind. The Bible said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. How many know you'll never change your behavior until you change the way you think about that thing? And so we understand that there. That's called the mind renewal, and that's very, very important for us. And that's the part that you and I have to play within. And so we understand today that the voice, the third one is the voice of your spirit. And I like to say that's the voice of the conscience or the voice of the inner God. Now, medical science has taught us today that not only do we have a brain that controls our body, that controls our emotions and our feelings, but we also have the mind of the spirit. And they're telling us now that there's another little mind 
inside of our heart. And we call that the still small voice. We call that the voice of the inner man. Has anybody ever had a feeling about something, an intuition about something, a perception on something? Everything looked good on the outside. Everything sounded good. But inside there was just this gut feeling inside. There was just this gut knowing inside. Come on, raise your hand right now. Okay, that's the voice of your conscience. That's the voice of your spirit. And what we want to do is spend some time in developing that. We need to understand the Holy Spirit is a communicator. We can see that some 55 references in the book of Acts alone where the Holy Spirit was guiding, the Holy Spirit was leading, the Holy Spirit had divine appointments and setups. A few of those there were in the book of Acts 8.29. The Holy Spirit said, so apparently he has a voice. If he has a voice, apparently he has a mouth. If he has a mouth, he's got ears. If he's got an ear, he's got a face. If he's got a face, he's got a body. Amen? The Holy Spirit is not a bird. The Holy Spirit is not an emblem. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. The Holy Spirit is the other comforter, just like Jesus that said would be here, and there's no limitations on the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's God, and he can be in all places at one time. So it says, he who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. We see in Acts chapter 10, 19, when Peter, who had the housetop vision that God spoke him about the gospel now going not from just the Jews, but into the Gentiles, and it came down, he said, Peter, arise and eat. It said in Acts 10, 19, while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So we see again a divine setup of these three Three individuals were sent from Caesarea to come to get Peter, to bring them down there. And then we see the experience that happened in Cornelius' household when the Holy Spirit fell on them all. How many know all the relatives? All the military leaders. Come on, all the ones in his household, his cousins and all the, the children. The Holy Spirit fell on the whole group of them and they began to magnify God and speak in tongues. And then we can see in Acts 13, which we're gonna be doing over here on Tuesday night in a part of the service, we're gonna have ordination. And it says out there, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So what we need to understand is the Holy Holy Spirit is speaking, and he's speaking today to the church. Amen. It's not adding to what the Word of God says, but the Holy Spirit will never go in contradiction to what the written Word of God teaches us today. So we also understand something, and I want you to put up 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse number 13 as I introduce now as we get into today's topic. Okay, it says when, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. So how many know there's three basic voices that you can hear? How many know there's the voice of your spirit? Okay, there's the voice of God, but also there's the voice of the enemy. Now understand that all three of them can operate in that spiritual realm out there. Remember when Peter came and he said, uh, the, Jesus revealed to him, who do you men say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood hath not revealed this, but my Father in heaven. So we recognize revelation actually came to Peter by the Holy Spirit there. But in 1 Corinthians 2, it says in verse number 14 now, but people who aren't spiritual, everybody say aren't spiritual. 
Okay, they can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means and what the spirit is saying. So we need to understand this aspect. To me, this is essential. To me, this is huge. Spiritual sensitivity develops over time. Okay, it doesn't just happen. We understand that our studying the word of God is not just an obligation. It's not just a duty. It's a want to. How many want to learn about God? How many want to know God better? How many want to walk with God? How many want to live for God? Come on. Well, we know that as we spend time with him in our devotions in there. And then we understand that not only do we read the word of God and listen to the word of God, but we also spend time communicating with God and praying. But there are times in our life that we need to take seasons where we're going to seek God. We need to take times inside of our life where we're going to take seasons where we're going to wait on God. And there's times in our life where we just need to do more listening than we are doing the talking. And if we don't understand that, and that's going to lead me right in. Spiritual sensitivity, being led by the Spirit, just doesn't happen. I remember hearing a message um, uh, almost uh, 40, let me get this right, 1980 to 1982. So whenever that was, okay, when I was in Bible school. And I remember hearing a message by Dr. Kenneth Hagin Jr. at the school that I attended, Rhema Bible Training. And Dr. Hagen, he said this here, he said, too many graduates in the past have stayed in Tulsa and they've not back into the world. So he titled the message, go back into the world and preach the gospel. He said, in a year from now, some of you are graduating, speaking to the second year class and then to the first year class, which I was in, there was people that would be there for two years. And he said, don't wait until May of, uh, of at, at that time of 2000, uh, excuse me, of 1982. Don't wait till May to pray for where it is that you're going to be. Start seeking God. Start waiting on God. Start listening to God now so when that time comes, you'll have it in your inner knower. You'll know that you know where you're supposed to go. So I did that. Every day I would actually ask God and just say, God, I thank you that I hear you. I thank you that when I graduate that I'm going to know that I know where I'm supposed to be. I thank you that you have a city. I thank you that you have a place. And I thank you that I'm going to know on the inside. Now, I was doing this here over 40 years ago because I had read the book, How to Be Led by the Spirit, which I'm teaching a bit out of today. And so, so anyway, when the time came, when the time came in April of 1982, I, I knew that God he had a plan. God he had already quickened to me and spoken to me very clearly that I was to put my hand to the plow. It was time to move on, that I was to move back. And specifically, he spoke on the inside that I was to be ordained at Healing for the Nations Fellowship, which is Dr. Clarence King across the river, who's still there today, still pastoring. And I knew that I knew that I knew that God was saying, but I still didn't know what it was that God had, where he wanted me to go. And so they had what they called a career day. And in the career day, we had to meet with leaders from all, all around the world actually came in, but the majority were from the U.S., and there was others that came from Canada. And all I could tell you is when I went in and I met with this guy, uh, I think his name was Howard, and he was over there from St. Thomas, very, very tall individual, and this is in 1982, he was pastoring, he was a single man, and he really felt that God was telling him to come to Ramah, to find somebody that's married, find somebody that's got kids, and that that would be the one that was going to lead this here church. So anyway, I met with him, 
And when I met with him, as soon as he said Canada, as soon as he said St. Thomas, as soon as he said Canada, it hit me on the inside. There was a knowing that I know, that I know, that I know. I had thought I was going to end up in Casa, Casa Mea, uh, California, Southern California, but it wasn't there. As soon as, he, as soon as I listened to that guy, I knew that I knew that it was in my gut. It wasn't up in my head. It was on the inside here that that was the mandate that God had. And so anyway, so, so I comes back, okay, and I'm contacting this here guy because we didn't have email, we didn't have all texts. So I'm leaving messages, and to this day from that day, I never heard from the guy. But I knew that when I went in Canada where I was supposed to be. So I just put it on the shelf. How many of you know when you don't hear, you put it on yourself? So the instruction came very carefully, put your hand to the plow. I got my old job back. And then he said, move back to the Detroit area, which I did. And he said, be ordained at Healing for the Nations. I didn't understand that because I was going to Bob Yandian's church at Grace Fellowship. And I thought I was going to be ordained by Bob, but it was very, very specific not to be ordained by Bob. Nothing bad with them. They're incredible people in an incredible church, an incredible generational church now, what's going on. But God said specifically at Healing for the Name. It made no sense to my mind. But I knew that in my gut. I knew that in the inside because for two years I was waiting for this answer. Some people want answers quick overnight and there's things that you need to process. There's things you need to take time. If you're not seeking God and praying in tongues 15 minutes a day, how, do you, uh, understand, how are you going to understand the things of the kingdom? Because it takes at least that long to get your mind quieted down. So anyway, to make a long story short, so I ended up going to Healing for the Nation, and it just so happened, I went over there there on that Sunday, they had the ordination right in the service, and then that Monday, right afterwards, there was a group from Canada, Nella was one of them, and Sharon's were another family, uh, Paul Sharon's family was another one out there in Maryland, and they went and met with Dr. King. And they wanted to get a church started over here in Windsor. There was a group at the Bible study that was meeting and they were renting the Nobles Baptist Church over there. That's the building that they were renting. Come on, on Wednesday night. So anyway, to make a long story short, they, um, they came over there and Dr. King gave them my name. He said, listen, I, I'm on TV now, I'm on radio, and he said, I can hardly keep up with what I have, but this is a young guy just ordained, Rick Shimatero, here's his number, and that's how WCF got started. So I say all that to say that's the inward witness, but it just didn't happen overnight. There was developing, there was spiritual sensitivity, there was a waiting on God, but also a listening to God. Because how many know the Holy Spirit again wants to speak and wants to do things? And what I've learned over here is when people actually take time to seek God, and many of them come on encounters, and if you haven't been on an encounter, we got one coming up in June, and especially for the new people in the church, where you start on Friday night, we start at seven o'clock, and we go all the way through to the end of this year's service on Sunday morning. We're not in here to the very, very end, but we're in, uh, all, all in rooms down here on the other side of the facility here. The men are separated, and the women are separated because we hit subjects that hit the men, but I've recognize people that have taken that time for that their weekend it just seems like in their spiritual journey they grow more in a weekend they do in a whole year in church 
Okay, and the reason I believe for it, it's one after the next, but they've cut off all the distractions. They've cut off all the things that could hinder them. We tell them to put your cell phone away, put your pages off, put all that stuff away. You're totally off, disconnected from social media, and you're here the whole weekend, and it's just amazing what God is doing by his grace and his spirit, and everybody said amen. So again, the inward witness, and I covered that last time I was together, the true inner witness from the Holy Spirit will come out of your spirit. It will not come out of your head, your imagination, or your emotions. Now this, this is huge because the Bible gives us a very, very clean, clear understanding. The natural mind, the human mind, understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God because they're spiritually discerned. Now here's the greatest battle that you're gonna have in this here area. Many of us that are here today have developed a soulish area, and every, all our life is lived out of that soulish area. We've never learned to develop the inward man on the inside. And so the Bible says to trust in the Lord, come on, with what? All of our heart. That's the inward man, the spirit man. And then it says lean not. In other words, don't go and be swayed to your own understanding. Now your human brain has been given, it's a gift from God to understand a lot of soulish matters and a lot of physical matters. How many know your human brain will tell you, you know, uh, dress properly. Your human brain will tell you to eat properly. There's things that you can learn with your human brain. So God gave you that. And there's a purpose for that. We're not stupid individuals. We have knowledge of things, okay? But what we're talking about today is the developing of the spiritual. So over the years, over the years, let me just use this here. Uh, we have in leaderships that, we, uh, that have developed our faith, especially in the area of giving, okay? And we're a very, very large giving church. And there has been times God has put on our hearts, okay, to give gifts of 100,000 out, to give gifts and to sow them out. And just a, about a year and a half ago, we, we had one of those there things, and so we brought it to our team, and of course they supported it, but we didn't have the finances at the time to pledge $100,000. But we felt we knew where we were supposed to give it, we know who the ministry was overseas that we were to support and, and to sow it into, and the registration that they had, so we knew that. So we said, within our natural mind, we said we're gonna give this over the next year. So we're gonna give the 25,000, I think it was in January, and then we're gonna give it three months later, the other 25,000, then another, because we had the faith to believe that we could do it that way. Amen, we didn't have the 100,000. But what was amazing is, as soon as we made that decision to give the 100,000, the first check didn't go 25, the first check went out in the entirety because God had brought it all in. Amen. So there was a step of faith that we had to take in there to be led by the Spirit. Now, I believe that one of the greatest ways that we can hear the voice of God is that who needs encouragement today? Okay? And, and so ask God, who needs encouragement today? And whenever you ask God, you pray in the heavenly language, and then what happens afterwards, he will tell you who it is, okay? And usually for me, it's usually all males. Okay, or it's couples, or it's couples that I know where there's a female pastor and she's married, and so I will always write to her and her husband, amen? And so it's very, very important there because we don't want you just to be developing relationships with the opposite sex, especially if you're married. Okay, I believe that goes into the soulish area. That's another message, all right? But anyway, I just ask God for who it is that needs encouragement here.
Amen. My friends, Rose and Moses Sabo are right here in the front row from Edmonton. They got a great church out there. Their daughter and her husband are going to be in tomorrow. And so I'm very excited to have them. So I will text oftentimes Rosemary and Moses over there. And I'm always saying, give my love to Moses. Give my love to the pastor. Give my love. Can you say amen? And so I do that to develop, to hear the voice of God. And I pray every day that God gives me three people that need encouragement. Say, who are they? And then I write it down. And then afterwards I go and I text or afterwards I just go and send a short email there because that's how I've learned to do it over there. But the next area that I want you to go, so everybody stand for a moment. Everybody stand and say the inward witness doesn't come out of your head, doesn't come out of your emotions, doesn't come out of your imagination, but it's the gut feeling on the inside to the place where you know that you know that you know. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. I believe this is an area that many believers get into trouble. Many believers. And this because I got to move on. I got to get the point too. We got six, all right? Okay. And, and this is where they get, they say, well, I want a guy or I want a gal and I want her to be the beauty queen. I want her to be that. Now, now there are a few out there. I mean, I got the beauty queen, okay? Can you say amen? But as pretty as Pastor Kathy is, as attractive as she is to me, okay, how I just love her brown eyes, okay, I just love this girl, she just looks good, amen, amen, but that's not, and I'm going to be very, that is very important to me, because there's got to be a synergy, there's got to be an attraction, amen, but what attracted me more than her beauty was her spirit, and her spirit was hungry for God, her spirit was in love with God. Come on. She didn't have to redo it. The maturity of level that she was in, that's the biggest thing, if you want to term it, that attracted me. I'm thankful for all the other bonuses that came along with it. But it was that there was an attraction inside her, a depth of the Word of God, a depth for the things of God that she had. Because, you know, how many know coming in to this here church wasn't the easiest transition for her? So I needed somebody that had their roots down. I, I needed somebody that was passionately in love with God. Also somebody that was balanced, that had a great love, come on, understood the love of God, the goodness of God, but also understood the judgment of God. I needed somebody that was going to have both. And, and, and so I got that. But people are saying, who should I marry? And then they write out all their lists, and it's amazing. They write out their list, and they might put one little thing in there about God. But everything else is all natural. Everything else is emotional. And then they get them and they get living hell on earth. They got exactly what they want. So, so guess what? Then they got them. And then after they get them, the biggest thing is it's usually the, the thing in them that's different that attracts you to them. Because they have something you don't. And then after you get them, you use your controlling spirit that you want them to be just like you. Oh, that went over so well. Thank you for your weak affirmation today. Amen. Okay, so uh, here's another one. When should we take a new job? When should we take the next step? And a lot of times people will make that out of their emotional decision, okay? And yet in their gut, they're not getting that release, but then they go and do it anyway because it makes more money somewhere else. And I can't tell you how many have left and went out when the boom hit Western Canada, and now they're coming back. And it didn't work out the way that they had thought it was. 
Okay, that's why we need to be led by the Spirit. And how to solve problems, okay? It could be at school, how to, how, how to get the answers for things, how to get it. You're not gonna be remembered for what you know, but you will be remembered for the problems that you solved. And how about how to handle a problem or a roadblock that may have occurred in your marriage? God can give you the wisdom that could be a, an adjustment that's on the inside, but he'll speak these things. He'll direct you on these things right here. I've had people come to me and say, you know what? I really feel God just wants me. I love this here church, and I'm gonna be a part of it, and I'm gonna serve, but I've been way too busy involved serving in the church and not spending any time with my unsafe spouse. And that didn't come up here, but it was on the inside here. And they made that adjustment. Now both them and the spouse are here serving. Amen. Amen. So we got to learn to listen to the voice of God on these here things. And let me just state this. I don't witness to every person that I talk with. I don't witness in there. But I listen for, for certain things. Uh, I look at for, for, for certain things, doorways in, and then usually there's just a green and it's just a go. Uh, an example of that, Kathy and I were just on a flight coming back from, uh, coming back from Israel, and Dave Belongi was sitting right up in the right from where we were at. We got bumped to Economy Comfort, and so it was great for the legroom and everything. And I said, man, I can't wait to just crash on this airplane. It was a busy week, and we were just getting off the plane, switching terminals and going right to New Orleans, right in the meetings. So I had no time for reprieve, and this guy sitting next to me was an Orthodox Jew, okay? And so anyway, very nice man, everything else, we greeted and this and that. And so we started talking uh, in there, and I said, listen, I want you to get a really good night's sleep. And he said these here words to me. He says, he says I can't sleep on planes. I can't sleep well because I have a bad conscience. So as soon as he said, I have a bad conscience, that was an open door. There was in the inside, started going like this here. Well, an hour later, he ended up giving his life to God, okay? And then the amazing thing about it is I prayed for him. And I said, you're going to sleep good tonight. He said, well, I've never slept before. And so he's having his meal. He finishes his meal before the uh, stewardess even took his plate. He had his head down like this and was sound asleep for seven hours. Amen. And he woke up and he said, man, he said, Ricky, he said, I had a miracle. I said, what's that? He said, I just slept seven hours, you know? So how many of you get peace with God? You're going to have that too. Okay, so anyway, so I've learned we don't give, uh, listen, in the same respect, we don't give to everyone that requests money. Okay, I'll tell you one thing, never give, never give because of manipulation. I've been in a lot of places over the years that I really felt that manipulation and it just shuts me down. It just, just, just turns me in. And usually Kathy is the confirming on that. And other times it's just like in the natural, you just want to, you just, you just want to bless, uh, you just want to bless, but inside there's just a no. Okay, come on church. And so we're very, very cautious in doing that there, but we've also learned to always obey what it is that's on the inside. And when God gives you the green man, we're the first ones to go after it. And everybody agreed, said amen. This next one is probably, to me, one of the major ways that God used. There's a woman, her name was Marilyn Hickey. Okay, and Marilyn Hickey has been around for a long time. She was one of the ones that laid the foundation from her foundations of faith inside of my life many, many years ago. Her and her husband, Wally, were pastoring a church called the, the Happy Church. And so I learned so much from her. She has an incredible teaching gift. This is even before Joyce was out there. But anyway, to make a long story about her, uh, just amazing. But I watched her in her meetings, and I'd watch her on her program where she would have the Word of God and she would speak it to individuals to prophesy literally the word of God to them. 
And so she would give them scriptures. And so at a young age, that gave me an unsatiable hunger that I wanted to know the word of God, amen? Because how many know God will always speak in line with what his word says? If you're hearing something that goes contrary to what his word says, I've had people come to me and says, well, you know, God spoke to me that, that this is gonna be uh, my husband over here, and her husband that he spoke to her is happily married. Okay, and so that's very easy to discern. Can you say amen? And I, I just call that witchcraft, amen? So, so anyway, uh, how many know you, God's not gonna speak something that would go in violation from the word of God, okay? So this is what I like to say over there. The next way the Holy Spirit will communicate knowledge to you is something by giving you a direct verse from the scripture. Now, let me use an example of that because the best way that I could share that is my own story. Years ago when I was seeking God for the future, seeking God for this church, and seeking God for this community, and there was always a burden inside me to bring the ministers together. And that's why we rented WCF. We had the Teutonia Club, and prior to that, the Optimist Club. And so I remember we'd rent the buildings, and then we would invite all the pastors to come over there and to pray. For this day, right from the day one, we, we always had that in. And I remember the beginning when not one of them ever showed up. Okay, and then how many know, fast forward now, 36, almost 37 years later, now we have three prayer meetings a week with the ministers in the city. Because it didn't start just then, because that God put that inside the gut over here, but it was the word of God. And this is what he spoke to me over there. He said, a new commandment I have given you, that you love one another as I have loved you, so love one another. That verse was the driving force inside of my love. Now, this is what I want to speak about, the inward witness now and the revelation that the Holy Spirit brings. When we speak about the revelation, it's an enlightenment. It's an illumination. That word, I felt the Holy Spirit stay, said, stay here, stay here. And so I read it, and then I read the context of it. And when I read the context of it, the Holy Spirit illuminated said, this is what I've called you to do. This is the passion that's gonna go along with the gift that you have. This is your assignment. So here we are, now all these few years, my greatest, greatest passion, listen very carefully, is working with leaders, training them up, and you can see that with Pastor RJ, you can see that with the leadership team that's here, seeing next generation coming on. But above everything in, inside, is God spoke to me this year, and he said, by the love that you have one for another, the world will know your mind was the next part of that. And this is what he said, contextual, he said, Judas just walked out of the room. He asked me this question, he said, who is it that I spoke that to? By the love that you have one for another, the world will know your mind. And I read it, and I said, well, Judas walked out of the room, so it had to be the other 11 of the disciples. He said, that's right. It was to the preachers. It was to the teachers. It was to the martyrs of the church. It was to the five-fold ministry of the church. And he said, that's the assignment that I've given on your life. And that's been here all these here years. It's, it's never left. Uh, WCF, thank God for this here church, because WCF knew that. And WCF has always supported it. So we would have leadership connection that would come in where I would invite the Pentecostals. I would invite the Nazarenes. I would invite the Salvation. I would invite them from all over the country. And the board at WCF said that they were willing to support it, that they would pay for the hotels. They would pay for all the meals. They would pay for the airplane fares of the ones that didn't have the money to come in. And so when we went and invited them to come, Okay, WCF was always there to support him. No one ever took us up on it. 
we paid for all the meals because we always had them over here, but nobody ever took us up. But we were willing to do that because we so believed that that was a God. Now, I'm saying that because that was an enlightened word. And God will oftentimes bring an enlightened word into your life that is going to be a part of your future that God has. Now, here's another one that I want to go to in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if they could kindly put that up there. The context of this is last days. The context of this is, um, the, context of this is the end times. How many know right now we're living in last days? People, they get upset. Christians get upset because they see what's happening in our culture, in our society. And everything that Jesus said would take place and that Peter said would take place and that Paul said would take place, it's all happening before us. So really, it's not a time to be upset. It's a time to rejoice that God is doing amazing things in it. Okay, let me tell you. He didn't say, as it was in the days of Enoch, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. But he did say, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. He did say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Now I'm going somewhere with it. So this was a defining moment. This was a rhema word. This is an enlightened word that we're talking about. The Holy Spirit quickens that he came to me. And when I got this here, I remember this here. It was just so real it was so, so powerful that it went against everything I had been taught. So everything I had been taught was that the church is going to be raptured out seven years before, and we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and the rewards are all going to be given out at that time. And then I'm trying to think that one through, because if that's true, then what about our rewards of the people that hadn't been saved yet that still will be saved? So how are we going to have two rewards giving in the whole thing? So I went to these here scriptures with that. I went to my teacher, now this is important, in Bible school. And I said to my teacher that was teaching end times, I said, sir, I, said, I have a question over here that I want to bring you from the word. And he said, in this school, this is what we believe and this is what you'll embrace. What you do when you leave is totally up to you. But this is, and I said, sir, I honor that and respect that, Amen. Because the last thing I was going to do was rebel. last thing I was going to do was get kicked out. last thing I was going to... And I didn't share with all the other students. But I just began to study it more and more and more and more. And then this is what happened. Look at, if you will, in, in, in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It, you got it up there? Verse number 1. All right. 1 Thessalonians 5.1. Everybody, come on. Let's read it together. Come on now. Concerning how and when all this will happen. Come on. Dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write. Now, what is how and what is what that's going to happen? There was a question that came to the church about the dead in Christ, okay? What about our believers? What about our loved ones that have died? So Paul now writes that there, and he says to them, he says, those which sleep in Jesus are the ones God's going to bring with him. So that's before him. So this is the context of what he's speaking about over there. And he didn't say it by Paul's revelation. He spoke it to Paul. But he said it. this is the word that the Lord himself gave us. So all you got to do is go to Matthew 24, Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 21. Uh, you can go to Mark chapter uh, 3. And then you can also go to the book of John chapter 14 all the way to the end. And you'll see it all comes together. So he says, for you know quite well, come on everybody, that the day of the Lord's return will come what? So let me ask you a question. What did he just say? That the day of the Lord or the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like as 
a thief in the night. So you can look in the Bible and you'll see right at the end of time is going to be the day of the Lord. We know that there's 21 judgments that have to be fulfilled. The seven trumpet judgments, the ch- seven bold judgments. How many of all these here judgments have to come? Amen? And there's 21 of them. I'm not teaching on the verse by verse on Revelation right now, which I really want to do soon, but I'm not doing it right now. But he said, when people are saying, come on, everything is peaceful and secure. Now take the context of peace and safety. Actually, if you can even turn it up in the New King James, I got every word that I've memorized in here and every word. So if they could just switch translations for just a moment. It says, when they will say peace and safety. Now let me just tell you the context is not peace and safety in Windsor, Ontario. The context is not peace and safety in, uh, listen, in Toronto. It's not peace and safety in Beijing. But it says when they will say peace and safety, it's speaking about in the Middle East. Okay, how many know a president after president, prime minister after president, has been trying to bring peace in the Middle East? Okay, and how many know time after time they're frustrated, but they're going to say there's coming a time when they will say peace and safety. And he says what's going to happen is when that happens, then, and Daniel gives you great details on that. I don't have time to develop his teaching, but it says then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. How many know that's future tense? Okay, now look at verse number four. This is the verse that jumped out. For you, brethren, everybody say, you, brethren, are not in darkness. Is that what it says? Okay, so what does that mean? You're in light. You're children of light. And that's what the amplification of that is. So here, all my teaching that I ever had, every book that I ever read, it all went and said, we're all gone, we're all out of here, and then all hell's gonna break loose. And it says, you're not in darkness so that that day should overtake you as a thief. Now, here's what hit me. Okay, why would he say, you're not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief in the night if you weren't even going to be here for that day? And as soon as that went on, everything else I began to study, it all came alive. For example, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says when the Lord comes, it said it's going to be a gathering, the same words he used in Matthew 24, and the gathering means a complete collection. The complete collection is the dead in Christ rise first, that we which are alive and remain, and literally the word remain means to, be, to, to survive through difficulties and challenging times. And the Bible says when darkness covers the earth and gross darkness to people, he said that's the point. That's the signpost. That's the indicator. That's the turn signal for the manifestation of the sons of God in the earth. That's the manifestation that the earth is groaning for. It's in travail according to Matthew, according to Romans chapter 8, is the manifestation of the sons of God. It's going to go back to beyond what it was at Pentecost. Pentecost got the early rain. But the latter rain is going to be much heavier than the early rain. It's going to be the two put together, and God's going to break out with the miraculous. God's going to have the last say on the planet. Amen. So here's the defining moment for me. And he said, Rick, you have a job now to teach the people that in adversity is going to be the greatest opportunities that are going to come. And you've heard the whole series, but look at he doesn't stop here. But you, brethren, are not in darkness 
so that they should overtake you as a thief. So if you weren't going to be here, why would he even write that in there? Good preaching. Thanks, Pastor Rick, for your amen. Verse number five. And understand this. Understand this. Eighty-some percent of the church world is all looking to get out of here. And Peter tells you, but we're looking for, God says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. And he says, for we're looking for the new heavens and the new earth that's coming down out of glory, amen? And then he says, look at this here, he said, you are all the sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of, come on, of darkness. And then look at verse number six. Keep going right down. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us, come on, watch and be sober. Isn't it amazing? The thing that he told us to watch for, the thing he told us to be on guard for, the thing he told us to be attentive on for, the people don't even believe it's going to happen. And if they don't believe it's going to happen, come on now, then guess what? We need to sober up the church world out there. Because let me, let me just say it this here way. Everything that is going on, even within our nation right now, I, I grieve over what I see going on. I grieve over the laws that are being made, and I'm saying, why, why are they doing this here? Why is it that they're protecting one religious group, and then we bring about the other ones that are persecuted, but they're not even in, in the equation in there? I, I, I can't understand in my natural mind how this is going, but on the inside in my gut, I'm saying, this is what's leading in. This is what's leading in to the last days. This is the way that it was in the land of Lot. This was the time, the way that it was. And no, this is the way that it was, and it's gonna get that way, but there was preachers of righteousness then, and there'll be preachers of righteousness now, and I'm gonna tell you, there are gonna be people calling the men and the women to repent. See, see let me just say something to you today. One of the greatest erroneous teachings that came into the church world is that you don't need to repent anymore. And yet God said in 1 Peter chapter 3, he's not willing that any of us, to us words, that we should repent to the church. Because you know what that tells me? There's sin in the church. There's rebellion in the church. There's lawlessness in the church. There's unforgiveness in the church. There's greed in the church. There's sin in the church. There's immorality in the church. It's not just the message for the world. It's inside the church. And God says, before I come, I'm going to clean house. Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. That which is built on the man, that which is built on the personality, he said, it's going to come down. But what's going to be left is going to be the kingdom of God. Because it's not about Rick. It's not about Kathy. It's not about WCF. It's about Christ and his cross and the kingdom of God. The message that's missing is the Christ, is the kingdom. But here's what's going to happen. Glory to God. If there's seven trumpets, everybody say seven. What would be number three? Third deep. What would be number one? The Hey, you guys got it. Okay. So if there's seven, what would be the last trumpet? Are you sure? So it's not number eight, because there's only seven. You're right, I'm not playing games, okay? 
The Bible says at the sound of the last trump, there's gonna be a resurrection. The dead in Christ shall rise first, come on. And then this mortal shall put on immortality, and this corruptible will put on incorruption. Come on now. And when does it all happen? At the day of the Lord, because there's gotta be an understanding of the doctrine of resurrections, come on. Because how many know when you go on, your soul and your spirit go on, but God said, I'm even gonna raise up the body, and this mortal is gonna have immortality. You're gonna have an immortal body, come on now. You're gonna have an incorruptible body. You're not gonna have pains anymore. You're not gonna have sorrow anymore. You're not gonna have depression. You're not going to have head You're not going to have fear anymore. You're going to have a glorified body. Because why? You're going to be with the Lord. And everybody said? Amen. Now go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Okay, verse number 13. I'll put it all together and I'll just shut up. Amen? <laughs> okay. Now this is how revelation, this is what we're speaking about, being led by the word of God. That has been the driving factor inside of my life. I have dead visions to go along with that. We'll get on at a later time over there. But whenever these things hit me over here, these are the things. Like here's another one. I'm reading the Bible one day. I'm saying, God, why would a pastor put a brand new believer in a place of leadership? Why would that happen? You said it, that you're not to put a novice in a place of leadership. And I said, God, I would never do that. I mean, 99% no, of the pastors I know would never do that. Why, why would he? He says, because it doesn't mean what you think it means. And I said, okay, what's it mean? So I just hit the button where it said novice, and this is what came up, newly planted. So he said, somebody left another work, somebody left another church, somebody left another ministry, and you go and put them up in that leadership right away because of who they were somewhere else. He said, you don't put a newly planted one in there. Give time to prove. Give them time to check it out. Give them time, because how many know the track record will always prove what they are? And, all, and everybody said, amen. amen. Now, where did I tell you to go? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13. Everybody say, but I do not want you to be. Amen. You know what I've learned in the Bible? Is every place where it says not to be ignorant, not informed, not learned, in every place in the Bible is where ignorance goes. The Bible says, be not ignorant of spiritual gifts. Be not ignorant that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. How many know as far as God's concerned, he's only been gone a weekend. Every place where it says ignorance, so God says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Here's another one. He said, don't be ignorant of the five sins of Cain in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and, and you got teachers today saying, you don't even need to know the Old Testament. Well, it's, it's five stories that got them into trouble. And it's the same five things today. And we can't even know what the stories are because we can't read it because we're told we don't need to read it. Come on. Why don't we just take what the Bible says? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for correction, profitable for instruction, profitable for teaching, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Good preaching. Thanks for the shouts. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Go ahead. Falling asleep. What does it mean for somebody to be dead? Falling asleep, it actually says those that are dead in the new living. Go ahead to the verse number 13. Okay, go to the next one. 14. For if we believe that Jesus died, how many believe that? Even so, God will bring with him who? Those which sleep in Jesus. So what's the prerequisite for to be with God when he brings you back? You had to die. Okay, you had to die first. Come on. I'll say it again. You had to die. So the ones God's going to bring with them is not some people that just caught up first and then come back. No, you had to die first. And they're coming back on white horses is what the Bible says. Look at 15. He said where he got it from. Go to 15. 
I'm almost done, guys. Hang in. For this we say to you, by who? By the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain, okay, until the coming, the parousa, the catching up of the Lord, will by no means precede those who are what? Uh, Sleep. Why? Because you understand the whole doctrine of resurrection. I'm tired of people quoting 1 Corinthians 5, 57 and 58 and totally ignore the 55 verses prior to that. Makes no sense. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive come on, and remain in the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Come Three more verses. 16. For the Lord himself. What's going to happen? Come on. It's going to descend from where? With heaven, with the shout, he's going to land on the Mount of Olives. He's going to split that sea. Going to go right up to the dead in the north, right up to the dead. Come on now. Oh, glory. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Look at verse number 18. Comfort one another with these words. Encourage one another with these words. And then he goes and breaks it down into chapter 5 about the day of the Lord, the preceding events that will transpire before the coming of the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet. Everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now right now, right now, my mind was challenged because I was taught one thing. And, then when I re- and I don't split hairs with people over this. If they want to believe what they want to believe, but what about suffering according to the will of God? And what about, according to Peter's teaching, uh, every time he shared about glory, there was always suffering that hit first. And I believe that there's coming to the church some hits that's going to hit the church that's going to cause us to release the greater glory. Can you say amen? I believe this with everything in me. This isn't just a, a, a word for a Sunday morning. This isn't just a word for our live stream audience. This is a word I believe from heaven. That God wants us to position to be led by the Spirit in these last days. That we know what we're to do. We're going to have the Issachar anointing on this here house. That Israel knew what they were to do. That was the anointing. And I believe that with everything in me. We're going to know what we're going to do. We're going to be positioned in the right way. So that the greater glory of God can break out. Amen. So it doesn't surprise me if they're trying to take away our freedoms. It doesn't surprise me what happened in the early church is happening again. Because what we got to do is understand more people are dying in Christianity today than any other time in history. Never has there been more persecution that's going on. Our friends from Nigeria that are with us right now can tell you, see any of our friends, about what's happening in the northern parts of, of, of Nigeria right now in the, in the cleansing, if you want to call it, of anybody that is not their way. And it's happening right now. We can go to nation after nation around the world. But those are spots that God is revealing himself in his presence and his power in an unparalleled way. Amen? Father, thank you today that we're learning about the inward witness and that we know that we know that we know. Because we don't want to be met, led by every wind of doctrine and everything that's popular and everything that's fancy and everything because the multitudes are going at it. God, we want to be led by your grace and spirit. We want to hear your voice so clear, Father God, in the everyday decisions that we face in life. We don't want to be sidetracked to this or sidetracked to that. But God, we want to be right on track with heaven. Because you said that you will show us the path of life in his presence, his fullness of joy. So God, we're asking you now to show us the path of life. And God, may we just get our, may we put our big boy pants on and may we just be the men and women of God that as we sang in the song today, we're going to fight every battle. 
going to fight these here battles because we wrestle not with flesh and blood. God, may the revelation of that become a rhema to every one of us here today. In Jesus' name.